What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. In other news, the Zips losing streak has continued. Just had to be against the electric chickens, didn't it? In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. (laughs) Have you ever tried DMT? (laughs) And of course, the hottest takes. I want Baker Mayfield because he solidifies what Cleveland is. It's only a game. Why do you have to be mad? I woke up feeling dangerous. You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. What's going on, everybody? You are listening to Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is the January 30th edition of SPT. My name is Jake Murren, and I will be the host of your show today. And we have a great show for you today. We'll start with Zip Sports and an update on the MLB lockout situation. Then we'll discuss the Cavs' great week with NBA All-Stars. And we'll finish the show by talking about the abundance of NFL news, storylines, and playoff predictions. You don't want to miss a minute. Joining me for today's show are my analyst, Jeff Longville. What's going on, everybody? And Pat Weber. Good morning. All right. So I said we were going to start the show with Zips Sports. But first, I wanted to talk about the drama that happened yesterday with the NFL and the seven-time Super Bowl champion and three-time MVP Tom Brady, quarterback of the Buccaneers, the undebatable GOAT of the NFL, came out yesterday that he had retired from the National Football League when really that was not the case. Adam Schefter reported that he retired, and then a deleted tweet from Tom Brady about his retirement later, and now it's all up in the air, and he's not retired Decisions still has to be made on the whole retirement issue. What are your guys' thoughts on Tom Brady and his uh, retirement? I come before you today wearing my Tom Brady Super Bowl jersey to show my love and appreciation for the man that we all call the GOAT. Um, So obviously, I don't want him to retire. um, But at the same time, you know, he led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns this year. He has seven rings, which is more than any other franchise. If he if he chooses to retire, he's going out on his own terms. He has nothing more to prove. And you know what? Honestly, good for him. You know, he's got a family. He's got a wife. You know, he has other uh, business adventures he wants to dabble in. So if he goes out on his own terms, good for him. But as the selfish football fan and Tom Brady fan that I am, I don't want it to be the end for him. With the Tom Brady jersey that you're That's right. currently wearing. That is right. You don't want it to be the end. That jersey's kind of gross. No no offense. Oh, I don't like your jersey. Um, listen, I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world, um, but if he retires, I will be kind of sad as a sports fan just because he's been in the league forever. Um, I think that him retiring 
and the football side of me can forgive him a little bit for uh, single-handedly just destroying everything that Pittsburgh had worked for in less than half the time. But um, if he goes out, I think he went out on a high note, a really high note. He played probably one of the best games I've seen when he almost came back again against uh, the Rams. I think that if he goes out, he's going out with a bang. And I kind of want to see him retire, but that's just because I'm still a little salty at Tom Brady. But, yeah. So, like I said, Adam Schefter of ESPN announced his retirement, and then Brady's verified sports account on Twitter deleted a farewell retirement tweet, and then Brady called the Bucks GM to inform them that he has not made a decision about his retirement. It was all over the place, and honestly, how do we feel about Adam Schefter nowadays. You know, he's always been pretty reliable up until, like, the whole Aaron Rodgers saga um, at the beginning of the season, and now he just announced that the GOAT of the NFL retired when, in reality, he did not. I feel like you can announce player F retired, and that's okay if he doesn't, but you literally said that quarterback A++, the best quarterback to ever play the game, retired, when really that's not the case. So how do we feel about Adam Schefter? Do we still trust him? Is it still Shefty? How do we feel about that? You know, I think after these two big blunders on his part, it's going to be kind of hard to take him seriously going forward because now it's going to be like, Adam Schefter said this, and it's going to be like, okay, but is it actually happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be kind of hard to trust him going forward, I'd say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He used to be a really reliable source, but then uh, the past couple months have been really, really shaky for him. And, yeah. Uh, I'm going to stop pressing him a little bit. Yeah, and I think, like, we need to always check our sources sometimes, and you know, I follow Errol Helwani, who's an MMA journalist, and he always checks at least two sources or more um, when it comes to releasing information. I feel like Adam Schefter might want to might want to start doing something like that. I feel like he always tries to be first rather than trying to be accurate sometimes. I understand, like, sports journalism is very competitive. He's built up such a great foundation is in his career um but you can't release the information that tom brady's retired unless it comes from tom brady's lips themselves um do we hope he retires do we hope he comes back i mean even if he does come back how do we think the bucks look next year with tom brady at quarterback well obviously i don't hope that he retires just because i'm that one selfish tom brady fan and i think honestly you could look at it at it, at it as him going out on a high note, leading the league in passing yards and touchdowns this year. But you could also look at it as he didn't go out on top because he lost in the divisional round. I think that if Tom Brady were to win another Super Bowl, I think that would safely be the end for him. Yeah. Um. So I think that there's a possibility that he does come back to win one more. How the Bucks look if he retires? Uh, they got a big situation going on with Chris Godwin right now. I think they can still be solid, and I think they can still be a uh, contender because they have Tom Brady, but there's a lot of question marks right now as far as the roster. Yeah, I mean, if I would, as much as I hate to say it, I would like to see him at least go back to the Super Bowl one last time. Um, honestly, I think he should just do it just to kind of be like, hey, you thought I was retiring? No. <laughs> the guy that's be, you know? But um, I think that if he walks out now, he ended on a very, very high note, and whether like him or not he's the greatest quarterback if not the greatest football player to ever walk the face of the earth so well my whole thing on this is like 
It's just weird because he is leaving on a high note, but this season I don't see the greatest football player of all time leaving the game of football with an early exit in the playoffs against the Rams. Right. You know, I feel like he if he was contemplating retiring sooner rather than later, I feel like he just, just should have called it quits last year when he won the Super Bowl, had that huge parade. Um, I feel like that would have been more suiting to the end of his legacy, end of his career. I don't see him leaving after just losing in the divisional round to the Rams. I don't see that happening. And honestly, like those um, those quotes that came out when he was talking about his wife and kids and family, it certainly sounds like he's retiring. It sounds like he wants to live out his days with his family and doing some other things. But I do see him coming back, I think, and playing at least another season in the NFL, chasing that eighth ring as if he needs an eighth ring. Um yeah, I see him coming back. I don't know how the Buccaneers will look. I know there's a lot of question marks around this team right now. But if they have Tom Brady at the helm, then really what can go wrong? You know, they're playing in maybe one of the worst, if not the worst, division in the NFL. Especially with the news that broke out about the Saints this week. And also the Panthers and Falcons aren't great teams either. So they'd certainly probably win the division if Tom Brady was quarterback for the Buccaneers next year get into the playoffs with a high seed and it could definitely make a run. Um, Yeah, that's my two cents on the future of Tom Brady in the NFL. We will definitely talk about that and more in about an hour or so when we discuss other NFL news and headlines this week. But bringing it to the University of Akron, before we get to the Zips basketball team, we're going to talk about one of Pat's favorite topics here, the Akron Zips football team because their schedule was announced and it's five home games, seven away games for the football team that went two and ten last year. I know we've gotten some exciting transfers. How are we feeling about the Zips football team? I'll go to you, Pat, first because I know you can't wait. To I'm feeling this. really, really good about yeah. this team right now. I am so excited, especially we've hit the transfer portal hard so far and we've landed some really Really good uh, recruits. We just got the uh, number one offensive lineman from Michigan to commit. I'm so I'm so excited. Oh, we're gonna be so good. It makes me it makes me happy. And realistically, now I know that I always say Zips are going to the national championship. But realistically, I I could see us possibly starting the year three and one. Three and one. Okay, realistically, so we start against SFU, and then if that game is at home. And then we go up against Michigan State and Tennessee and Liberty. So the loss, I'm assuming, is to Michigan State that you're predicting. Yeah, because Tennessee's just like super hit or miss, depending on like... And Akron is miss and miss. The Zips are also Okay, listen, let's be honest. (laughs) I blame Tom Arth and just Tom Arth, all right? So it's a new era for us, and we're going to do so many good things. See, my biggest concern about the Zips football team is like, that five home games to seven away games, I mean, that doesn't do us any favors. We start at home against St. Francis. I mean, starting 1-0 would be pretty cool. I think that's a favorable matchup to start 1-0. But then we do three games on the road, and then one game at home, a game on the road, two games at home. It's just back and forth the rest of the year. But those three games on the road, I'm going to predict that we drop that Tennessee game as well. Um, I do think we win that Liberty game. But I can see us starting the season two and two, which for a team that went two and ten last year is certainly a great start. Already, I mean that'd be better than what Tom Arth ever did for us. 
Yeah, that is true. He, I, yeah. You ruined our football program, and I'm very upset about it still. <laughs> Tom Arthe coming out of power right now. Yeah. Hey, you know, it, it's hard to watch a team that actually, we, in a, the year before Tom Arthe came on, that we didn't play bad that year. For sure, went to the yeah. back championship. Um, and then to go from that and then only get three wins over the entire Tom Arth era, I I have a distinct disliking yeah. for uh, Coach Arth. It's a little unsettling. Yeah. Three wins in that amount of time. Yep, so 2-10 and ten last year. We got those exciting transfers as you were talking about. Um, good favorable matchup to start. Uh, and then we have all those MAC teams at the end. We do own Bowling Green University, though. So even then, that's like 3-2 and two start with a winning record five games into the season. I'll I mean, take it. I'll take it. That's exciting. And then we finish the season with nothing but MAC action um, with Buffalo, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, uh, Northern Indiana, or Northern, I'm not sure, and then Ohio to end the season. So uh, I think it's Northern Illinois. Yeah. Mac. Yeah, Northern Illinois. My bad. Um, Jeff, any takeaways from the Zips football schedule and uh, how the Zips will fare? At season? best, I say five and seven. I'm sorry, Pat. Oh, come on. Well, think about it. Five and seven is much better than what Akron football is used to. My my main question is, in that five and seven, do we beat Kent State? No. <gasps> come on. Not beating the electric chickens. We're going to beat them. Oh, we're bringing the wagon wheel back to Akron. <laughs> if, if if you're going to say we're going five and seven, at least, at least throw Kent State in that mix somewhere. I'll say it's close. Okay, I'll, okay, I'll okay. still five, kind of allow it. Five, because... six, and one. How about that? Somehow, okay. somehow, you guys are going to tie in college football. I'll I'll allow this, but um, that's just because the only game we got shut out in was against Kent State. We <laughs> scored against Ohio State. We scored first, yeah. but we, we couldn't score on Kent State. We were leading against Ohio State I, at one point. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding that forever. forever. Yeah, I know you are. I know you are. You know how happy I was for that? <laughs> Do you have any idea how silent the stadium got that happened? I could it imagine. Was, it was like, are you serious? Is this actually going to happen? It, I, and then it didn't happen, <laughs> but like still, for like five minutes, we were all really nervous. Yeah. For, for five minutes, people actually were uh, afraid of what Tom Arth and the Akron Zips had. <laughs> it's just crazy because that always reminds me of that game itself. Reminds me of just how weird that Ohio State season was. We started off, C.J. Stroud was looking terrible. The whole team was looking terrible. The defense was horrible all year long. And then C.J. Stroud literally becomes a Heisman candidate in front of our own eyes. And then we do what we do in the Rose Bowl game. It was a beautiful season, and the way it ended, um, not a great start. We let the Zips score on us first, but um, nonetheless, we blew them out and didn't let them score again. I don't think. I'm still holding that one touchdown. That's all you I have to say. You can, that, yeah, you that's the ahead. only... That was like... You can also a hold the L point. as well. Yeah, you can. I mean, yeah, but we scored first, and we were winning at one point, so for like five, six minutes, we were top of the football world. Yeah. <laughs> and then we remembered that we're the Akron Zips and we're playing the Ohio State and just kind of... So, yeah, I'm Buckeyes number one, Zips number two, so that's why I was like rooting for the Buckeyes. I just think it made more sense for the Buckeyes to win because it actually meant something. To like the Zips, it would just been, oh, you know, three and nine instead of two and ten. Might have kept our mind. Uh, no, I feel like it would have meant a lot to Akron. It would have, but like I think this, I think this campus would have been on fire if, if we would have beat Ohio State. If oh that my was Ohio God! State's second loss of that season. I mean, we were done. Yeah, Rose yeah. Bowl's probably out of the picture. And if we go on and lose to Michigan, as we did, three lost teams are making the Rose Bowl. Oh, they are. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm happy that Ohio State got that win. 
over Akron, but I'm on I'm on uh, your path here, here uh, Jeff. I do think we go five and seven. Mm-hmm. Was it five? Yeah, five yeah. and seven this year. Um, I just think we go three and two to start the season with wins over SFU, Liberty, and Bowling Green. And then with the MAC conference coming up, I just think we probably pick up two of those games, if not three here and there. I know Ohio's game was really close last or just this previous season. So I feel like we can pick that one up and then uh, another MAC game in that mix as well. So five and seven is my my prediction for the Zips. It's still not bad. I mean, for our side of the MAC, we are weaker in football. So five and yeah, seven could get us sure. to the MAC championship, like realistically in that picture. So that's it's not a horrible start. That'd be better than. That honestly would be just a positive outlook because it would be like, hey, we're not the bottom of football anymore. We're coming back from probably the worst era of the worst college football head coach of all time. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm going to be really harsh because, again, we, we went from going to the MAC championship the year before that to three wins. I mean, the Zips but, have had head coach, like, turnover before, though. I know, but Tom Arth is just, just a man that I do not like. You ruined, you ruined the greatness that was our football program. But we're coming back now, Coach Moorhead. Interesting yeah. word to use to describe Akron football. Yeah, greatness. Hey, <laughs> greatness for the Mac. Okay, we'll put it that way. Okay, okay, that's understandable. So Jeff and I, I think it's going to be five and seven for the Zips. Do you have a a prediction there? I think we could go. Mm, I think we go six and six okay. because I think we can beat Kent State. Okay. I think we can beat Kent State. Yeah, I feel like the season is like seven and five. Because if we pick up more of those Mac wins, that'll put us there. Six and six and seven and five is enough to get anyone into a bowl game. So I mean, that would already be, that'd be a fun. phenomenal jump from that'd be fun. three wins over the past four years to making a bowl game. I, I think it could happen. We would have to go to that bowl game. I would. I would. Don't care where it is. I will pay <laughs> as much money as I need to to go to that bowl game. <laughs> I love the energy out of you. Oh man, the passion for the Akron Zips out of you, Pat, is it's amazing. And uh, we'll we'll switch gears to the Zips basketball team. I hope you bring that same energy. Even though it wasn't the greatest week for our Akron Zips, we went one and one this week. Nothing to be ashamed about, but the loss against Toledo certainly hurts. We're currently thirteen and six and third in the MAC. We had a sixty to fifty six win against Central Michigan, and then as I said, we dropped that game to Toledo on Friday, eighty four to seventy six. Uh, we'll start with the. The positive note on Central Michigan, uh, we got the win. Enrique Freeman and Xavier Castaneda scored 16 in that game. Ali Ali also had a great game with 15 points. Um, overall, though, the team did not shoot well beyond the arc. They had 26.7% shooting percentage from three. I know Brian Trimble Jr. had a rough night. He went one for seven behind the arc. Um, a great defensive game, though, held the Chippewas to 36.1% shooting from the floor. What do you guys make of the Central Michigan game? I'll take the win, but how we looked as a team was not great. No. I mean, we were ice cold when it came to shooting the ball. We couldn't get anything to drop. Um, and I know that, obviously, the Arsenal level is beyond, well beyond whatever they've got going over there in uh, Central Michigan. And it's just, watching that game, it was it was rough. I think, as much as I hate to say it because I do love the Zips, that game we should have lost it. Honestly, the only reason we didn't was because it was Central Michigan, and they've struggled a lot this season. Um, we just didn't look good at all. I mean, you know, ice-cold shooting, transition was pretty horrible. Um, I'm still happy we got the win, though, because it'll it'll keep us in the top three for now. 
Yeah, for me, uh, obviously struggled against an opponent that they shouldn't have struggled against, and I kind of carried over against Toledo. But again, uh, a win's a win's a win. You won the game that you were supposed to win, even though it wasn't pretty. At least you got that positive outcome. Right. I'm going I'm to agree with you guys. Honestly, last week's show, I was talking about how this Central Michigan game came at a perfect time right before the number one team in the MAC in Toledo. I just wanted us to get a big confidence boost out of this Central Michigan game. That way, we are full of momentum going into Toledo. And against Toledo, we did put up a good fight. We did lose. It was 84-76. to 76, But I honestly, like, yeah, it sucks that we lost. But we did we did show up. We put on a fight against the number one team in the MAC. Um, Brian Trimble Jr. was the leading scorer for the Zips with 18 points. Enrique Freeman also had a double-double with 17 points and 10 rebounds. Um, I know it was hard for you to watch, uh, Pat against Toledo, what were you guys' takeaways from the game against the Rockets? I'm not mad that we lost because we played really, really well yeah. against Toledo. I mean, we're talking about a team that blew Ohio out of the water when they played. And it looked like we were going to end up in that same situation for a while there. And then the Zips do what the Zips do and made that late comeback. But uh, it's just the same stuff whenever we're down. You know, we just start shooting threes, and at some point it just doesn't work. And that's what I think hurt us the most during that game is when we had come back, it was I mean, we were within three points and then went right back to trying to shoot threes to tie the game, and it doesn't work. But I think it's a big confidence booster that we managed to hold in there with Toledo as well as we Absolutely. did. I think that that's going to be a good matchup for us going into uh, the MAC uh, tournament. Yeah, for me... Um... Losing, obviously, isn't what you want to do, but you lost to the team ranked number one in the MAC only by eight. So that has to do at least a little bit of something for your confidence. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, in our two previous games before the Toledo one, against Eastern Michigan, we only scored 46. And against Central Michigan, we only scored 60. So to go into Toledo on the road, number one team in the MAC, like I said, we scored 76. And that's something to be proud of. They did put up that fight. And Toledo, they're just so so talented. They're so good. In the Zips game, Toledo's Ryan Rollins and Raheem Moss scored 20 or more points and the Rockets shot 58.9% from the floor. Um, it's pretty difficult when to win a game when the other team is shooting 58.9%. So, good fight, but we did drop it and we are third in the max still behind Toledo and Ohio. Now, how do we see the MAC? playing out this year. Like I said, Toledo, Ohio, and then the Zips are number three. Who do we like to win the MAC? I still think we have a chance at uh, winning the MAC. It just would have to come that we we have to finish out the season really strong and perform really well in the playoffs. Um, I will say, though, if it's not us, I think it would be Toledo because Toledo is just playing at an unreal level right now. They are on fire, and I don't see anybody else stepping up to the plate right now to even try to get with Toledo. Um, but I think if it's between us and Toledo for the uh, back. I would say it's any of the top three teams being Toledo, Ohio, or Akron because just because you win the regular season doesn't mean you're always going to win the conference tournament. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say it could be uh, Ohio or Akron as well as Toledo. Yeah, It's whoever's hot at the right moment. Mm -hmm. You know, like If Toledo starts losing right now but then they get hot closer to the tournament, then they have the momentum. They're probably going to win. 
Same thing goes for the Zips and the Bobcats as well. Honestly, Toledo, like I said, they're just so good. I think they are the absolute favorite to win the MAC right now. They're on an eight-game winning streak. They're undefeated at home. They're 9-1 and one in the MAC, and their only loss came to Kent State. So it's kind of surprising there, too. Um, and, like, the second team, Ohio, I know Toledo just blew Ohio out of the water a couple weeks ago. So, really, they beat the number two and number three team. They're hot at the moment, so I got to go with Toledo. Um, but like you said, Pat, I certainly don't think the Zips are out of it. And it all it all depends on who has the confidence at the right time heading into the tournament. Now, with the Zips themselves, I know consistency is a huge issue. We can't go from scoring 40 points one night to 80 the next night and then 90 the next night. We have to get some consistency on offense, but is there any other or are there any other problems than consistency with this team? Because we always talk about they just need to be consistent and then they'll win games and they'll be fine. But is there something more that this this team needs to address? I don't really think so. I know that we have a very young team and you know, when you compare us to a lot of the other uh, programs. But I, I talked about this last time I was up here. It's just when you go down, you don't have to just resort to shooting threes. That's not the way out. And that's honestly how we ended up cutting into the lead a little bit against Toledo was we weren't shooting those threes. We were attacking a basket, getting the twos, getting the stops, but then we cut it within three and then we kind of went back to our old ways of just nonstop shooting threes and hoping something will fall on if... I know we've struggled the past couple of games with shooting beyond the arc and it's just cutting down on that and then also picking up in transition a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times when we're trying to transition. I mean, it's uh, a little slow sometimes. So I think those are two big things. But I know that also comes with being a fairly young team. It's just something you're going to learn and improve on the, the longer you play. And I think other than that, you know, just the same consistency issue. And that's really about it. I agree with Pat. I think that a lot of teams think the only way to get back into a game is by shooting threes. And that's just not the case. You can get the ball into the paint. You can run different plays and just take twos to get back into the game and generate different looks that way. But a lot of teams think the only way to do that is to shoot threes. So I guess just better decision-making on offense would probably be uh, an issue that I would want to address. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you guys. Um, another thing, though, I think we need to start playing better on the road. We're 9-1 and one at home, but we're 3-3 three and three on the road. I mean, not too many games on the road thus far, only six, but we split them on the road. So I'd like to see that record improve. And like you guys said, just shooting too many threes. And honestly, they just disrupt the flow of the offense. And we're shooting them early in the shot clock, too, not really giving our offense the chance to get into any sort of flow. And honestly, like, in every game, I feel like we have that one player that has the cold hand. And we're forcing shots and giving that player too much attention, in my opinion. Nothing against, like, the the Greg Tribbles or the Brian um, Trimble Jr., They just, sometimes they're cold, and they just keep on shooting. Like I said, in that Central Michigan game, um, they're 1-7, and and then 1-9 and from the field. And then in the Toledo game, uh, Greg Tribble was 1-7 from from the floor. So just feeding the cold hand is not the way to win basketball games. we got to get it into Enrique Freeman in the paint or Xavier Castaneda. Especially with getting it to Enrique. I think he's probably the most dominant big man in the MAC. Without a doubt. And we have some of the best forwards and centers in the MAC. And I don't know why we're not looking inside more. I mean, you have Ali Ali, Enrique, and then you have um, Aziz Bendego coming off the bench. And I mean, just 
feed them the ball inside. I mean, no one's really going to be able to put up too much of a fight against them and stop forcing the shots with the cold players. I think against Ball State, uh, Ali Ali had one point, and I think he shot the ball close to 12 times, and yeah. he just kept feeding him the ball the entire game. Yeah, and I understand, like, sometimes you just have to throw it up, throw the ball up in the hoop, and just try and get hot over the game. But it comes to a certain point where, like, it's a game-time decision. You should not have the ball. Sometimes you should not even be on the court at that time. But Ali Ali, since that Ball State game, has been playing really well. Definitely a great piece with Xavier Castaneda and Enrique Freeman in the paints. But that will do it for our Zips talk and a little bit of Tom Brady as well. Um, when we come back on Sports Power Talk, we'll talk about the Cavs' great week and also the announcement of the NBA All-Star starters. Keep it locked right here on 88.1. All right, we are back with Sports Power Talk. My name is Jake Murren. I'm the host for today's show. Joining me is Jeff Longville. What's up? And Pat Weber. The Cavs are back. The Cavs Amen. are back. They are 30 and 19 right now, fourth in the Eastern Conference, climbing the Eastern Conference rankings slowly but surely. Um, like I said, 2 0 this week. First game was against the Knicks when they won 95-93, to 93, a tough game, a narrow victory. Um, Darius Garland struggled shooting the ball but made that clutch three to end the game. He had 13 points and 12 assists. He also recorded his fifth straight game that day with 10 assists, tying LeBron James for the longest streak by any Cavs player over the last 10 seasons. And Kevin Love also had a great, a great game, scoring 20 points with 11 rebounds. Any takeaways from the game against the Knicks? Very hard-fought victory uh, against the gritty, grimy team of the New York Knicks. Um, but we stayed strong. We stayed poised. We were able to pull out the dub. And it's just nice to see this from such a young team that we have, just being able to compete to the very end. I agree with you on that. Watching that game was I, – I think that was a pretty good win that we got out there. It showed that even when um, our go-to guys are struggling a little bit, that – Everyone can step up to the plate if they need to, especially with Kevin Love. I feel really bad for bashing Kevin Love <laughs> over the past couple of months. Everybody should. I, I feel so bad. But, you know, it just shows that anybody on this team can step up whenever they need to step up, and I think that's what's helping us win right now. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love has been playing so well. It's so great to see. Um, he's just really getting into his own, and coming off the bench is, like, one of the greatest decisions for him because he elevates that second team so well. And he compliments Darius Garland so well as well. Um, so we won that game against the Knicks, a narrow victory, and then a not-so-narrow victory against the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. 115-99 to was the final score. I was honestly worried with this game. After the first quarter, we were down 35-26. to After the first quarter, I was like, okay, yeah, this ain't going to go very well. And then we just come out crazy in the second score the second quarter outscoring them 39 to 22 so much to take away from this bucks game how do you guys feel about this one i was i was right there with you i was nervous after the first quarter the bucks were on fire from three but then we started playing a lot better perimeter defense and they finished nine of 32 from three for a grand total of 28 percent whereas we went 19 of 42 from three 
And I'm not going to say that we're necessarily a really good three-point shooting team, but we're much improved than what we were last year. And then once we got the lead, we just took control of the game. And Evan Mobley dunking on Giannis was the highlight of my night. Was, I was so happy that, that, was, that happened. That was so awesome. Yeah. Oh, my. That got me. I was watching that on TV, and that had me standing up in my apartment. Yeah. I was so excited. <laughs> I was sitting at AEW in Cleveland. Great show, by the way. Gotta shout it out. Beach Break. Amazing show. But I was sitting in there, and I got the notification, and, like, everybody around me was also talking about it because it was in Cleveland. Everybody's Cavs fans. Everybody was talking about how great of a play that was. Everybody was pulling it up at the same time as they got the notification. Um, for the Bucks. Giannis had 26 points, um, Chris Milton had 21, and Bobby Portis had 22 for the game. Not a bad showing for them, but it was the Cavaliers, and guess who the leading scorer was? Why, it was Kevin Love with 25 points, followed by Jetty Osmond, who had 23, and then uh, Darius Garland, the all-star, hopefully soon to be announced, had 19 points. Um, it was just an all-around great game for everybody. Even Evan Mobley had 16, and then... Uh, Dean Wade and Jarrett Allen had 10 points. Um, Osman, like I said, he scored 23, and he was 6 from 14 from beyond the arc. So a great game for the Cavs. And Kevin Love deserves some respect. He has been posting his best box plus minus since the 2013 and 2014 season. Attaboy, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just been playing so well, and it's got to go into the big hype behind the Cavs right now. We're starting to get attention, I've noticed, Mm -hmm. from ESPN, from these high sources. I mean, Stephen A. even went out and said that Darius Garland deserves to be an all-star starter. Um, We'll get to that here in a minute. Um, Just great respect for the Cavaliers now coming from everybody. I got to ask you guys, are the Cavs in the mix for title contention this year? So I'm going to actually say no, and it's only because... We're so young, and we have so much inexperience in the playoffs. Like you look at our roster, uh, obviously Rondo, he's a two-time champion. Kevin Love won a championship. Jetty Osmond went to the finals that one year. Uh, Jared Allen has been to the playoffs, but never won a playoff series. And just the rest of our roster is just very young and inexperienced in uh, the playoffs. And to me, experience matters more than talent in the playoffs. I think that we could potentially win a playoff series, but I think that's as far as we can go. And honestly, that's fine with me because now it's something to build on for the future. And in the next couple of years, I could see us being legitimate title contenders. But it's just too soon for us right now. I agree. Um, I want to say that we could be a title contender, but I don't think we could. I view us as like the Hawks last year. where That's exactly. We, yeah, same here. I think we're going to make a very deep run. Um, I don't think we're going to go to the finals. There is that possibility. But if uh, we were to make a finals appearance this year, I don't think we would win it. Um, because, like Jeff said, uh, experience matters mm-hmm. more than anything when it comes time for the playoffs, and we just don't have all that experience there with uh, our young stars. And also, it kind of depends on who we match up against. Like you referenced Very the Hawks true. last year; they got to play a Knicks team who was seated higher than them, but they also were made up of a bunch of guys that didn't really have a whole lot of playoff experience. And then they played the Sixers, who had that whole Ben Simmons thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say that the Hawks necessarily got lucky with who they played, but I think who they did end up playing did play a part in the fact that they made it all the way to the East Finals. So for us, it depends on who we match up against as well. Yeah, it has to. I mean, it's not like the Hawks went through the Bucks or the Nets in those first two rounds to get to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. 
But I've said it multiple times on this show that the Cavs are very reminiscent of the Hawks last year. They're that fairy tale underdog story that can probably make a deep run. Um, to answer the question, I don't think the Cavs are in the mix for title contention this year, but I think they can compete with any team in the East, and I think they can make the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, like I said, Love is posting his best box minus since the 13-14 season, and since Rubio, Ricky Rubio's injury, Darius Garland is averaging 20.1 points and 10.5 assists per game. I wouldn't be surprised if we made the Eastern Conference Finals, but like you guys said, we're still young and very inexperienced, especially when it comes to the playoffs. I think the Bucks and Nets could beat us in those seven-game series where they just have that experience, especially when Kevin Durant comes back. That's going to be a tough team to compete with. And then, like, when you talk in the mix for title contention, you also have to talk about the Western Conference as well. Um, in the West, like, teams like the Suns and the Warriors would likely come out on top um, of us like, as well. So that's how I see the Cavs' playoff run going. But, man, they're hot right now, and you love to see it. Now, if I were to introduce Colin Sexton into the playoff mix for the Cavaliers, does that change your guys' answers if we're in the mix for title contention? If Colin Sexton returns from his meniscus injury and plays with the Cavs in the playoffs? I would like uh, that to happen because that, to me, uh, I would know right then and there how Colin is going to fare after the injury, I guess, a little right. bit. And it would just be nice to see him make a make a recovery in that aspect. But I would, again, say no because, once again, Colin is very young and very inexperienced, and we don't know what he's going to look like after the injury. I think that he can make us a little bit more competitive against certain teams in certain games, but overall, no, I still think that we're still outside that contention window. I completely agree. I don't think um, just having Colin Sexton come back is going to affect anything. If It might boost our chances of um, possibly making a finals appearance but not winning it um, because, you know, just no experience. And especially after that injury, we don't know how he's going to look, how he's going to play, if his play style is going to be any different. Um, normally, you know, a lot of players, when they get injured, uh, when they're coming back, they're a little more passive mm -hmm. than anything. And... We just don't know what the uh, what he's going to look like if we were to get him back. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And I don't want his like return to be rushed at all, especially since we all three of us agree that he, we're not in title contention this year. I don't think there's a there's a push or a rush for him to get back for the Cavs come playoff time. But injecting a scorer and a playmaker like Colin Sexton into the current hype that is this Cavs team is just dangerous for all other teams. It really would be. And I slightly worry what Colin Sexton would do because we know he's not a ball hog or anything, but he sometimes he demands the ball. And he's great when he has it in his hands. I don't know how he would come back and fit into that lineup. I'm a little concerned about that. If anything, I think the Cavs' success without Colin Sexton has brought up more rumors about him being traded and that we don't need him. But I do think his return into the lineup would be great, especially come playoff time. But like I said, I don't want it to be rushed, and I don't want there to be any, any like, we don't have enough time to get him smoothly back into the lineup if we're in a seven-game series. Like, he needs to be ready and in there, hopefully before the playoffs. But, I mean, this is just a report that came out that he might be come back in time for the playoffs. I mean, it's not like he's coming back anytime soon. 
So we'll have to see on Colin Sexton. Any last thoughts on Colin Sexton if you guys worry about him coming back and what that would do for the Cavs, or is it more of a positive thing than anything? I think that Colin is the type of guy to where if he feels like he can play, he will at least try to play. I don't know if our coaching staff would let him play. Um, Hopefully what that does is it doesn't um, sort of make him feel left out and maybe get him thinking about moving on. I hope that he stays. But personally, I think the right move is to let him sit out and not risk injuring himself even more, given that we, since we all agree that we're not title contenders, I think that it would just be best to let him sit out and then get reacclimated with training camp and everything next year. I completely agree. And another thing I want to add on is that, um, like we mentioned, Colin Sexton kind of demands the ball sometimes. And if you throw a player like that into this mix that we have, it's going to kind of throw everything off because the reason that we are having so much success is because there's not one player on our team that demands the ball and we just move we just move it to everyone so smoothly and I don't know if Colin Sexton would disrupt that right now um right. it would be a kind of you know wait and see situation and as much as I hate to say it I do think that this success without Colin Sexton is could bring up the possibility of trading him but if we trade him for another superstar that demands the ball it, it's just gonna it's the same. It's the same situation. Same so, right. What side are you guys on? Do you think we should keep him and have him play next year, or would you rather move him and maybe get a different piece that's out there? I think that we should keep him because he adds uh, additional ball handling and scoring to our team. I, I think that if you add him into the mix, that we really have an increased chance of doing something really special without LeBron. So I say we keep him. I want to keep him too, but if the opportunity presented itself, to move Colin Sexton, I wouldn't be opposed to it. He does bring a lot more to the uh, to the Cavs, but again, if it if it came up that we had an opportunity to move him for some really uh, good players, some key pieces, I wouldn't be super mad about it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. It just depends on the on what the other team is offering. To be honest, but Colin Sexton, like people sometimes forget just how good he is, and seeing him in the lineup that we have right now and I know I trust our coaching staff in our front office and I don't think putting him into the current system and flow that the Cavs have I think they would make that work and make it successful and next year I think we could be in title contention if that injection of Colin Sexton into the current lineup and flow of the Cavaliers is smooth and beneficial instead of like disrupting what we have right now so that's it on Nick Colin Sexton's return. And in other news for the NBA, the all-star starters were announced. For the East, it is Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. And then for the West, it's Steph Curry, John Morant, LeBron James, Andrew Wiggins, and Nikola Jokic. How do we feel about the All-Star Game starters? One of those players doesn't belong yeah. there. Yeah, I think we're all One of these kinda, things is different than the One of them one. shouldn't even be in the all You shouldn't even be considered an All-Star <laughs> at all. And that's it's Andrew Wiggins. That's the reason why Warriors fans should not be allowed to vote for their players. Because why is Andrew Wiggins in there? I'm, I'm really not happy about that. There's, I just want to get that out honestly, of the way. Honestly, I, I think that he should be an All-Star, but he shouldn't be a starter. Because you look at... You look at somebody like Brandon Ingram, who's on a less competitive team in the Pelicans, 
But you compare their numbers to each other, and Brandon Ingram's are just far superior to Andrew Wiggins. And he's also more important to the Pelicans than Andrew Wiggins is. And I think that Wiggins also benefited from like a, a depleted front court in the West. You look at Paul George is hurt, Kawhi is hurt, Zion is hurt. And I don't know if there's rules to where you can't like put two centers in like the starters for a conference, but like I feel like they could have put Cat in front of him, Gobert in front of him, and given Luca's ability to play one through three, I think you could put Luca in front of him. I just yeah. think that a lot of circumstances went Wiggins' way, and that's why he ended up being the All Star. And there's still uh, there's still Devin Booker, and um, I'd even put Anthony Edwards on there as well, but not Andrew Wiggins. It's not Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. It could have been anybody but Andrew Wiggins. And it's Yeah. Honestly, I think, Jeff, you just made a lot of sense of the situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about all that, but I guess it does make sense why he's there with everything considered. But I certainly don't think he deserves to be there. I'm fine with that he got the all-star selection and everything, but an all-star starter right. I'm not fine with. If you guys could pick one player, I know we've thrown a, around a couple different names, uh, if you could pick one player to replace him as the All-Star Game starter, who would it be? For the sake of picking, like, a full-on front court player, I would go with Brandon Ingram. But if I got to choose, I would say Luka, because even though he's listed as a backcourt player, as he's a starting point guard, he can play small forward. So I would have said Luka if I got my way. I would pick Brandon Ingram, too. I really like uh, what Brandon Ingram has to offer, especially with playing a... Uh, for a team like the Pelicans that um, they're struggling a lot and he's kind of their one star. I would like I would have liked to see him in over um, Andrew Wiggins. And like you said, Luca too. Luca deserves it more I think more than half the people that got selected for the uh, West. He's been keeping the Mavs competitive and it's only been him this entire year for them. And he should have been in that. Brandon Ingham should have been in over Andrew Wiggins any day of the week. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I think Luca should have got the nod. Um, Devin Booker is a close second, though, for me. Honestly, like, the whole thing with the All-Star game is that it's a big draw. Um, you have the biggest stars playing and especially starting. And when I think of Andrew Wiggins, I don't think of one of the biggest stars in the NBA. Certainly not one of the best 10, like, the All-Star starters should be. When I think of Luca, when I think of Devin Booker, those are the stars that I want to start and I want to watch in the All-Star game. When, Le- when LeBron and KD do their drafts, Andrew Wiggins will be the last guy taken. Oh, for Guaranteed. sure. For sure. So, Kevin Durant, he's not going to play in the All-Star game because right. he's injured, but he still drafts his team. Is mm-hmm. that how that's going to work? Yeah, that's what happened last year as well because he sat out the All-Star game last year too. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. So, he's just replaced as an All-Star game starter. and but Yeah, so like, like the, somebody, the will, somebody will replace him as a starter in the East. Um, I'm trying to think of who that might be. Maybe Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but I think Butler. I think he would be the best. Yeah, uh, best fit for that. I was thinking maybe Giannis. Maybe Demar Derozan's been playing really well. Giannis well. is a starter, right? Yes. Yeah. So like, it would be would somebody be that else. wasn't voted as a starter. Board gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Then yeah, I'm right there with you guys. So I'm a little unfamiliar. I'll say with like the All Star Game drafting. Mm-hmm. So Jeff, I'll have you take it away. Like, how does his draft random players? It doesn't matter. East West. It's so just, they just um, draft them. The leading vote getter, which in this case is LeBron, like it is every year. Yeah, he will get the first pick, and then Kevin Durant will go, 
um, and then they'll draft amongst the starters. And then I believe Kevin Durant gets to pick first amongst the reserves, and then they'll go until um, there's nobody left. And they can draft any position they want, any from any conference they want. They fill up their own team the way that they want to. Gotcha. So it's still LeBron versus KD, not so much East versus West. Yeah. Gotcha. I figured it was still that way. I just didn't know because I haven't really watched many of the All-Star game, right. All-Star games lately, I guess. Um, but I am very excited for this one because it is in Cleveland at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Um, I don't like the jerseys that they released, though. I'm not a big fan. Um, the LeBron's team is going to be like that red and different colors of red okay. um, jersey. And then for the West, or for KD's team, rather, it's going to be the gray and like light blue colors. I, on there I as actually well. really like that one. The gray and light blue yeah. one? The red one I think is horrible. okay. I just don't like the design. Like it says, the whole NBA logo is right there with the three stars. It's just not my favorite. It seems like too much is happening all at once. I think they just need to simplify sometimes the All-Star Game jerseys. Plus, there's nothing really like from Cleveland representing in the jerseys. I know sometimes they'll like include the city where the All-Star Game is, but an aspect of that into the jerseys this year, there wasn't really anything like that. I know they did something for so. Toronto, I'm pretty sure, when the All-Star Game was there. I think they put something on right. like, their shorts or on the jersey. I remember correctly. Yeah, usually um, I feel like they do something to honor the city that the game is in, but nothing this year. Um, are you a fan of the the jerseys, Pat? Not really. Yeah, I'm not not, not really. Um, they could have they could have done a lot better. I honestly think my favorite jerseys were the ones from 2016. Should bring those back one time. I really like those. I don't know which ones you're talking about, but I believe in you. I trust you. Um, the ones that were like yellow and light blue had like that metro look to it that just said All Star right across the front. Those were hideous. I hate those ones. <laughs> like they were so gross. Um, this year is definitely an improvement over that, but I feel like the All Star game jerseys are getting worse and worse over time. Um, but sticking with the All Star game, somebody got two votes that. I feel like everybody should be in agreement that he shouldn't have gotten two votes. Ben Simmons got two votes to the All-Star game. How how do we feel about this? Just guys? to clarify, just these are this. from like fans, right? They might be players. I think they might be I mean, players, if but... they're from players, then like those players should be like suspended indefinitely. <laughs> I agree. It's probably like Grayson yeah. Allen or someone. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, Allen. but I think it was the players voting. Oh wow. Who would who really would bad. vote who who would vote for Ben Simmons? Yeah. Unless it was some, I don't think any of his teammates, teammates would vote or, for him. Yeah, because he's not really set yeah. his teammates either. It has to be. I, it has to be Grayson Allen, who, by the way, is my new most hated NBA player. <laughs> Dude, I hated for him what he, he did to team. Alex Caruso, and then he only got a one-game suspension. So, I just want to. I just want to clarify that. Even when he was in Duke, I didn't like the guy. Yeah, he he's was just such a dirty player. Like, so dirty, yeah. And the fact that the Bucks even stepped up to try to like back him up, be like, oh yeah, it was just a hard foul. Like, he shouldn't be suspended. Like he yeah. he made Alex Russo like break his arm or like fracture his arm or something. That's kind of a big deal. Was I think it was his wrist. That was his wrist. I, I, say, I know so. he I know he fractured something. Though. I was like, but that, no, but that's yeah. not like that's just a hard foul. With Ben Simmons though, like I was on his side at first because I really felt like it was the 76ers at fault for pretty much blaming the entire playoff series like on him and blaming one player when it's a team effort just doesn't sit well with me at all. 
but now like he's not showing up and now I feel like if he wanted to play in the NBA right now he certainly could he just isn't putting that step forward um so yeah Ben Simmons we'll see if he plays another NBA game I feel like he will just not for the 76ers um but we also have changes to the rising stars game um, making that game very exciting, in my opinion. So now it's four seven-player teams in a mini-tournament with games played to a final target score. Um, they're calling it a race to 75 points in honor of the NBA's 75th anniversary with the two semifinal games being played till 50 points and then the finals played until 25. The coaches are going to select the team rosters in a draft and we get a few... Uh, G League Infinite players in there as well. Um, what do you guys think of the change to the Rising Stars game? I really like it because it's something different, and I like including yeah. the G League players as well. I don't like that the semifinals go to 50, and then the final goes to 25. I think they could have reversed that or made it the exact same score. Like, I know they want to include the number 75 in there, but to me, like, why would you make the championship game like shorter on purpose than the semifinal game, you know? Yeah, I do like that the team is racing to 75, like, to win they have to score 75 points. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't make sense to me why the fu- they're playing to a less score in the final than they are in the semifinal to get to that final game. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. Uh, what are your opinions on the Rising Stars game? Um, I like it, but again, with the points, it doesn't make sense to make the final game shorter. Uh, I do like that they are including G League players um, now because I know that G League players, they deserve more respect than what they get. Um, and there are some very, very talented players that play in the G League, and um, I'm excited to see what they have to bring to the table in this tournament. Um, just extend that final game just a little bit. They should make this like final game 75 points. That's what that's what should have happened. I do think it's going to be an exciting little tournament that they hold over All-Star Weekend. And I don't think the Rising Stars game got much attention at all. I know they're doing like a little shoot-off type thing, Jeff, if you want to explain what yeah, they're doing between so, the games. Yeah, um, so they're going to do what is going to be called the Clorox Clutch Challenge, which is where eight players on the Rising Stars squads will be divided into teams of two and compete to knock down five historic shots that were made during the NBA playoffs. The team that knocks down all five shots the quickest wins the shooting competition. And that sounds really interesting to me because I think of, like, Kyrie shot or Jordan shot or Kawhi shot. So I'm really intrigued as to what shots they're going to be incorporating in there. Yeah, just an overall fun weekend coming up for All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I really do enjoy the changes to the Rising Stars game. I feel like it wasn't very in the spotlight before. Nobody really cared about it too much. And now with this little tournament, it's certainly going to draw eyes. Now, before we go to break, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook a little bit. Jeff, your Lakers aren't doing too hot right now. They are not. Um, But a fun little stat on Russell Westbrook. As of a couple weeks ago, I don't think it is updated. But according to NBA.com, Westbrook is 10 for 17 on dunk attempts this season. He's shooting 59% on dunking the basketball. If that doesn't tell you... That is something right there. I think I could have a better percentage, and I can't dunk. (laughs) But if I could, I think that I could could at least get to, like, 80. You would hope. Yeah. You would hope. You would hope. I just think... But Westbrook, like, plays the game too fast. Yeah. And not in the flow of the Lakers' offense at all. And he's just missing wild shots because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, as a LeBron supporter and Lakers follower, in a way, 
Jeff, what do you think the Lakers should do with Russell Westbrook? I would like us to trade him. I think that he did play very well against Charlotte late in the game, kept us in it, but just when he has to play a more team-oriented game of basketball, which is what the Lakers want him to do, and it's what the Lakers should want him to do because you have to win a championship with your teammates, not yourself, he just doesn't excel at that. And he turns the ball over too much, and like you said, he plays the game, I think, too fast, and his decision-making isn't up to par. So I would like to see us trade him for somebody like Malcolm Brogdon, and the Pacers have uh, been toying with the idea of just rebuilding since they're not having success with the good roster that they have. And I think bringing in a guy like Malcolm Brogdon would be more efficient, the decision-making would be better, and I think that it would help us play a more team-oriented game of basketball. Yeah. Do you think this, like, hurts Westbrook's legacy? You know, he's always had that thing around him where he's not a good team player. Like, Mm -hmm. the whole, he averaged a triple-double, but at the same time, you don't really want to play with Russell Westbrook. It's really showing in L.A. right now. Mm -hmm. Do you think this just adds to that fuel and hurts his legacy as an NBA player? I think so, uh, just because he hasn't been able to have success as the team's best player. He never made it uh, out of the first round of the playoffs unless he had Kevin Durant or James Harden. Yeah. And the way it's going right now, I... I want to believe the Lakers can make it out of the first round, but they're sitting at ninth in the West right now. So mm-hmm. odds are that probably won't happen. So I would say that, yeah, it definitely does hurt his legacy. Yeah, I do agree with you. You know, that whole stigma around him that he's just not a good team player. Um, and now what's going on in L.A. certainly sticks with him as he plays out the rest of his career. But that will do it for us with Cavs and NBA Talk. When we come back from break, we're going to go into the NFL news this week and also a little bit of an update in the college football world. Keep it tuned in to 88.1 WZIP. All right, we are back with Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murren. I am the host of today's show. Joining me are my analyst, Jeff Longville. What's up? And Pat Weber. I want to say thank you to Big Ben for a long and great career. You don't have and to. You can. I'm going to. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm, I'm going to. I've been kind of sad about that all week, but it's okay. Because it I know okay at the end of the day. You're sad. <laughs> Okay. I know, because I know at the end of the day, that man's going to the Hall of Fame. So, that's that's what matters to me. I hope people spit on his Hall of Fame bus. Come on. No. Come on. That's well, not he's one of the nice, greats. He's, he's one of the greats. Listen, when Tom Brady goes to the Hall of Fame, even though I really don't like Tom Brady, I wouldn't do that to Tom Brady. He's, I'm just saying. Um, you'd probably get, like, put in jail well, in for, yeah. like, forever. Yeah. You think you would go to jail for spitting on a Hall of Fame bus? Well, it's Tom it Brady's have. bust, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it's bust. It kind of matters. Oh no, man! I don't think you would go to jail. I think you'd just like get kicked out. And then if like you come back and do it again, <laughs> then you probably get banned for life. <laughs> and if you just somehow sneak in again, then maybe a little bit of jail time would be required. Okay. But okay. You're not gonna go to jail for that, or at least I would hope not. If so, nobody do it. I don't want to encourage anybody to do that, but. Maybe some, like, just put a piece of gum on it on the backside or something. Ben doesn't deserve that. Come on. I mean, a little bit. As a Browns fan, a little bit. Okay, I can understand where you're coming from as a Browns fan, but still one of the greatest. Usually I have a Browns fan to back me up on this. So kind of alone right now. Yeah. 
I was a little sad to see Ben go. Because, like, he's never done anything to me. I was impartial about it. I wasn't really sad. I just kind of, like, skipped over the retirement videos and was like, all right, yeah. I watched all of them, and they were, like, 20 minutes long. There was one that was, like, 20 minutes long. I watched every minute of it. Well, we'll get to that in a bit. But first, I want to talk about college football a little bit because the Big Ten Conference announced that football divisions might be going away starting in 2023. So if you didn't know, the Big Ten Conference is currently divided between the West and East divisions. But starting in 2023, that might not be the case. And it might just be one full conference of all the teams Um, This allows for more opportunities for non-conference games. But I do have some concerns over this change for the Big Ten. Um, But before I express those concerns, I want to go to you guys. What do you guys think of this change or potential change in the Big Ten? Honestly, for some reason, I want to say I don't like it because I just like that it's divided into two divisions. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think it would really change a whole lot necessarily because we're still going to play Big Ten opponents every single year. Um, So I guess I'm kind of like impartial towards it. I guess guess to me it'd be kind of weird at first, but I guess it doesn't really matter to me, honestly. Yeah, I can see it. I kind of like it. I think this opens up a new opportunity for um, like different matchups that you normally wouldn't see. And I also like the idea that if you do end up going to, like, a championship game for that, you're going to have different teams. Like, you could get, say, like, an Ohio State-Michigan matchup in a championship game and then have two in one year. You that, know what I mean? With that, that is that, true because now— I don't like, though. Right, but now we can guarantee that the two best teams in the Big Ten are going to play for the championship. Yes. So, and it's not just, like, Iowa. Because yeah. what was Iowa going to do? Iowa let me down. They let me down really hard. So, like— I understand what you guys are saying, and I like that the best two teams in the Big Ten would make the conference championship every year. My concern, though, is that those two teams would be Michigan and Ohio State every year. And I don't think, like, the prestigious, the game every single year is that team up north versus the Ohio State University. And it's the biggest deal of the college football season. Both teams are usually ranked really high, as it was this this year, and it's just a big deal. And then just to run it back in the conference championship game, the next game, it just doesn't sit right with me. And, like, what if they split the two games? Then who gets the bragging rights for that season, you know? And I don't really want to see that Michigan and Ohio State matchup two times a year. I like when it comes around that one time a year, it feels special, and you get it before usually Ohio State goes to the conference championship and then goes on a run wasn't the case this year even though you could argue Ohio State season ended better than Michigan's did um but that's my biggest worry and I feel like we're going to see a lot of the same matchups in that conference championship game because I feel like a lot of the same schools are going to end at the top of the conference but those are just my concerns but I I think you make a really good point because when we talk about the game yeah like I think it'd be cool if the game were to be played for more than just bragging rights. It was played for a conference championship. But at the same time, that's a game to me that should not be played on a neutral field. It should be played in either Columbus or Ann Arbor. Yeah. So that's a really good point, And I got to really think about that. So I like, I agree that it should be more than just who wins the last game of the season. I would like it to be the conference championship game, but I don't want to see it 
I think they take like a week break in between. So I don't want to see it two weeks, two games in like a three-week time period. The same matchup of Ohio State versus Michigan. Um, I just want to see it one time. I'll be happy. Hopefully Ohio State wins, but wasn't the case this year, unfortunately. Um, how do you how do you feel about that, Pat? Like you at first liked this, but now that I'm saying that we could see the game two times a year and we might see the same matchups. Any changes of opinion? I have to think about it too because I didn't sit down and think about that. Because um, I agree that I wish that that game could be played for something than you know more than just bragging rights. Yeah, but. I don't know because it's also one of those things that you, I like. I also agree you can't play that at a neutral site. Like you, it's going to be in one or the other because it's that big of a deal, and not just cultural, but in the sports world. I don't, I don't know. I got to think about it now because on one hand, it's like, oh, cool, like you know, say Penn State does good one year, or like Michigan State does good. Well, then it's going to be like Ohio State, Penn State, but then at the same time, Michigan normally is right behind Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like. Last season, if that was the case this year, it would have been Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten Conference game after Ohio State had just lost to Michigan. I mean, granted, it would have put us in the conference championship game when previously we weren't in that game. So I guess that would be a plus. But at the same time, like, I just I don't want that matchup to happen twice a year. I really don't. Uh, But I do like that it allows for more opportunities for non-conference games. You know, like, even this past year, Ohio was playing really well. I think they even were, like, the number two team, at least the number three team at one point in the college football season. But unfortunately, just this year with the schedule, how it played out, we didn't play Iowa. And if we did play Iowa and beat them, then that would have been a great thing to put on Ohio State's resume going into the playoff selection. Um, So I do like that it allows for more flexibility with the schedule, but I'm not a fan of the... Uh, Michigan and Ohio State um, conundrum that we have here that they might meet twice a year. Not a fan of that. So um, that's our little spiel on college football and the changes coming or might come to the Big Ten Conference. But going into the NFL, what a week it was for the NFL. We talked about it slightly at the top of the show, but the seven-time Super Bowl champion and three-time MVP after 22 seasons according to Adam Schefter, at least, retired from the NFL yesterday afternoon, only for him to say psych and then actually not retire. Now the decision's up in the air. Um, Pat, you said you don't like Tom Brady. Um, You wouldn't spit on his bus or anything, but you're not a fan. Where does this hatred of Tom Brady come from? Um, The fact that he single-handedly did what it took my team well over 50 years to do in less than half of that time. Um, because he's just really good. I don't like the fact that there's now two teams that have six rings because then it th- makes my Sixburg feel less important. But well, I, mean, I can't, I can't hate him. I, I, it's weird to say it, but I, I don't like him because he's so good. If I just kind of don't like him because he's just really, really good. I mean, the whole thing with like Steelers fans is you guys just like to reference the past. So I mean, it makes it makes a little yeah, bit well, of sense. You know, so that's the past which you got to hold on to. Uh, the past couple of years have been a struggle <laughs> watching my team play. Uh, we can't win playoff games. The Steelers are everything that Aaron Rodgers loves. We can't win in the playoffs. We can do fine in the regular season, but playoffs. Is that your way of trying to recruit yeah. Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh? I've already given up on that <laughs> um, because I think Aaron Rodgers is actually going to go to the Broncos. I think that's yeah. going to happen. I think that's going to happen. I think he's going to follow the offensive coordinator. I want to see him. 
play in Denver because it would give the Broncos something to be happy about. Yeah, there's the not a whole lot. Years, uh, Go the Peyton Manning route. Yeah. Just kick it to Denver for your last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it won him a Super Bowl, so. Yeah. 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 I can see it happening. Maybe yeah. he'll break the streak of not being able to win. So, Although I, I can't say anything because the one time he did, uh, I was a little hurt that year. Yeah, who did he win against? I, I uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. I can't remember. I think it was his team that were like black and yellow or something. I don't know. It might have been Iowa for all I know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I love it. Any chance I get in this segment, I will bash the Steelers. Just a fair warning to any Steelers fans, including you, Pat. Um, but, yeah, that's Tom Brady's future. Um I think he'll come back. I just don't see his GOAT career and legacy ending the way it did with an early playoff exit against the Rams. Um, if anything, you might even see me rooting for Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl next year as long as it is. As you should. As long as it isn't against the Cleveland Browns, I don't really it care. It won't be. If it isn't <laughs> against the Browns or the Bills, I'll say. Okay. Then I'll root for Tom That's Brady. understandable because I really wanted to see Josh Allen. Yeah. Yep. in this situation, which is also why that game was the reason why they need to change overtime rules in the NFL mm-hmm. because that game would have gone on forever and I was willing to watch every minute of it. As was I. I saw this comparison on social media that I really liked. So it was like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are like they're very successful quarterbacks that get to the Super Bowl, get the championships and all that. Whereas like Peyton Manning and Josh Allen, things don't always necessarily go their way. But I'm sure Josh Allen will eventually, like, get over the hump and get that championship. Um, But, yeah, I did like that comparison. I do think it is pretty true um, to this day and age in the NFL. So, talking about Aaron Rodgers' future in the NFL, um, Pat, you said the Broncos would likely be a location for him to go to. Honestly, I like the Broncos as the number one landing spot for him. I could also see him returning to the Packers. I don't see him retiring quite yet, though. He's coming off probably another MVP season. Um, I just don't see him retiring quite yet. How do you see it going, uh, Jeff? So I was under the impression before the playoffs that if the Packers had won the Super Bowl, he was just going to retire because that's his second ring. He's going out on top. You know what? What better way is there to go out? Yeah, last that? dance type. Right. Yeah. Situation there. I thought that if he didn't win the Super Bowl, he was going to go to a different team, more than likely Denver. But the fact that they went out against the six-seeded 49ers at home, a team that is not used to seeing snow and got outplayed by them, to me, I'm not saying that he's going to retire for sure, but I think that that increases his chances of retiring because if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm thinking to myself, like, what what more, how much more disappointment am I going to, like, go through in my career? Like, I can't beat the six-seed from California in Green Bay. Like, what more am I going to go through? So, to me, that, I think, increases his chances of retirement, but I don't, I'm not willing to say he's going to retire just yet. Yeah, and that's fair. I just think, like, I think there's more to the Aaron Rodgers and Packers situation just because, like, he has a foundation in Green Bay right now. If he were to stay in Green Bay, I'm sure they win the conference. They get the number one or maybe number two seed again, and they're right back to where they are. Probably might lose to the 49ers again because that's what they do in the playoffs. But nonetheless, success is almost guaranteed by him returning to the Packers. If he were to jump ship, go to the Broncos, who just hired a new head coach, have a little bit of instability, not the greatest roster, but with Aaron Rodgers could make something work. 
I just think at this stage in his career, I don't know if he wants to take on that much responsibility and go to a team that has quite a lot of question marks around him right now. That's why I still think the Packers are in consideration, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes that Peyton Manning route and wants to experience something new in his NFL career at this stage. See, my thing was with Denver is I think it could work out very well. We just hired Nathaniel Hackett, who was his OC in Green Bay. Yeah. I think that our roster is pretty good. We just struggle with quarterback play and offensive play calling, and I think Hackett is going to fix that, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to also fix that. You look at who Aaron Rodgers had to throw the ball to last year. It was Devontae Adams and a bunch of guys that caught, like, maybe 20 passes a year. You go to Denver, you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, who I think has a lot of potential, KJ Hamler is going to come back from injury. Tim Patrick, you have a really good young receiving core. And a defense that played well after they traded Von Miller, which I didn't think was going to happen. But they still played very well. I do wonder how much of the defense's success was because of Vic Fangio's influence. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think they got a really good roster. I think they got the right head coach. I think it could work out very well in Denver for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, That's one reason why I said that I think Denver's the number one spot right now for A-Rod is just because their receiving core is very young and very talented, which is something that A-Rod hasn't had in quite some time. Um, I think Denver's the place for him to go. Uh, if not, then I would see I could see him retiring because you can't keep getting number like the number one seed in the NFC and losing mm-hmm. year after year. The only time... I know that I saw this uh, stat. What is uh, the only time A-Rod ever made the Super Bowl was when he was a wild card. And that was the year that he beat Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That famous <laughs> win against <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's just like the disappointment for him. I, I want to see him go to a new team to try to get a fresh start and add to his legacy. But if it's not in Denver, I don't think then he should pursue... I don't think you should just fall through his career at all. I think you should just call it yeah. call it a day. So I didn't really put the two things together. Like, I know the Broncos hired the Packers offensive coordinator, um, Nathaniel Hackett, as their next head coach. And I think the Broncos might be a landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, but I didn't put that together that, like, they literally hired his offensive coordinator as their head coach, probably in anticipation of making a hard push to get Aaron Rodgers over there, too. So... That definitely makes the chances of Aaron Rodgers going to Denver way more likely, in my opinion. Um, But moving on from the Rodgers situation, I want to talk about Antonio Brown for a little bit, even though I don't really want to talk about Antonio Brown. So he's been on social media a lot lately, and not only on social media, but on social media in a Baltimore Ravens uniform Lamar Jackson seems to approve the idea of him coming to Baltimore. How do you guys feel about Lamar Jackson's just desperate to get a receiver to throw to at this point? Like, come on. There's not wrong. You don't don't want A.B. on your team. Trust me. in In a perfect world, I think it would work out very well because... Antonio Brown is still very talented, and that's what Lamar needs is a more talented receiver. But this isn't a perfect world, and I don't think that the Ravens, especially after not making the playoffs this year, after everybody thought they would, I don't think they need to bring in all that drama that Antonio Brown brings. Because let's face it, what happened uh, in Tampa was just like, no one's ever seen that before. Like, what more is he going to do? 
Honestly, yeah. like I said earlier, it just reminds me of that Ben Simmons situation. And I was really on Antonio Brown's side at first with the whole he was injured, he shouldn't have gone into the game. Um, obviously, some mental issues might be in effect as well. But then when you hear the Buccaneers players actually reach out and even try and give him money to help with his mental health and then him just deny it and go on this little run that he's going on where he's leaving and he thinks he's almighty and is going to join the Ravens. I think it's just ridiculous, and I hope he doesn't play another NFL game. I don't think he necessarily deserves it just because of the state that he's in right now, but he certainly has that talent and ability to be a great wide receiver for the Ravens who desperately need one of those. So I could see it fitting, but I just hope hope it does not. Um, so around the NFL, a lot of head coaching um, changes have occurred. We talked about the Broncos hiring the Packers offensive coordinator. Also, the Bears hired the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberfluss, as head coach. I hope I said that last name correctly. Um, the Giants also hired the Bills offensive coordinator, Brian DeBall, as head coach. And Sean Payton steps down as the Saints head coach, which puts the Saints at over $74 million over the salary cap for next season. So, nice. Great situation in New Orleans. Got to love it down there. Um, and potentially the worst conference in the NFL next year, like I said, with the Saints, Falcons, Panthers, and Buccaneers, potentially without Tom Brady. Um, real quick before we get into Pat's GM resume for the Steelers, um, the Washington football team, they're announcing their new name in just a couple of days on February 2nd. Um, it's pretty much a done deal. It's been leaked. They're probably going to be the Washington Commanders. They have a logo out there already and everything like that. I don't know if you guys have saw it or seen it yet. Um, how do we think about the Washington Commanders? I, I like that name. I kind of like it. Nobody else in sports, as far as my knowledge is concerned, has a name like that. So I really like that. I don't know how to feel about that. It's. I think it's going to take time to get used to. I thought Red Wolves was better because that just sounded cool. It did sound cool. I did but, like the Red Wolves name. I don't know. I I, I, I kind of like it, but it would take a lot of time getting used to. Just like when yeah. they changed to the Washington football team for like a year, I couldn't call them the football team because it just yeah. didn't sit right with me. I think now it's, it's like natural it. almost. Yeah. 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 You see like WFT all the time and things like that for Washington football team. Honestly, I'm a big fan of the commanders. I thought it was one of the leading names on the list. It's kind of like the Guardians name change. I don't think anybody necessarily would have picked the Guardians right up front, but it was better than some of the other names that were in consideration, like the Spiders. I didn't like that name, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, like Washington Commanders, I think it's a great name. Um, have you guys seen the logo that I'm talking about? I actually haven't. I have not. Okay, so it's like a circle logo. It's like split into four parts. Um, it says Washington um, Commanders on it like the U.S. team. I'm not sure exactly the wordage of it, but I honestly like it. It's very reminiscent of, like, a uh, a soccer team, though. Like, you'll see, like, the FC on yeah. it. It looks a lot like a soccer team's logo, um, but I personally approve. I think it's something different, and I do like the, the logo that they released. Jeff, are you looking at it right now? Uh, you said it's, like, like a circle shape? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they could have gotten a little bit more imaginative with it, but not terrible. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm willing to say about it. It's not yeah, terrible. It's not. Not bad. I kind of like it. Yeah. And I I saw like their leaked jerseys, I guess, too. And the only change was they made the colors yellow instead of white. So I don't 
Mm. And like they they changed the W logo too. It's not the same W for Washington football team. They just changed the script a little bit, and like that's the new helmet decal as well. So I mean, mm. it's okay. not not yeah. anything too impressive for jersey wise. Um, but I like that they're keeping the same colors. And they're not going like red, white, and blue, which you would think of like a Washington team would be. Um, yeah, Washington Commanders coming soon to the NFL. Um, so we're actually going to cut it to break real quick, Pat. I'll give you your general manager resume for the Steelers next segment next segment because I want to give it plenty of time and it shine because I can't wait to make fun of you for <laughs> all of your takes for the Steelers general manager position. They all work. That's all I have to say. They yeah, will all we'll work see. and they should hire me now. <laughs> and then uh, also coming next segment, we'll recap the divisional round of the playoffs and give our predictions for the conference championship games and also... We'll do a around the roo question where we debate around the table and then bring it to you all via our Twitter page. So keep tuned in to Sports Power Talk. We will be right back. Hello, everyone. We are back with Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murr, and I'm the host of today's show. Joining me today is Jeff Longville. I am so excited for this. I am this is going to be a lot and of fun. And Pat Weber. Uh, you have no idea how excited I am for this, too. <laughs> A.K.A. the next general manager for the Steelers. That's what we're going to start. You need to hire me. This last half an hour of SPT with. So, Pat... You have this master plan of correcting everything that's going wrong with the Steelers with Big Ben's retirement. Um, I'll ha- let you have the floor here. Go right on. So I have a list that I typed out of all the trades that should happen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna save the big one for last. So I'm just gonna get that out of the way. The first thing is I would like for us to trade Stefan to it. I understand he's a very big key piece of our defense, but he didn't play at all this year. Uh, he had. Uh, an injury, and then also some mental health reasons for why he did not uh, suit up. Um, he's still one of the most dominant uh, defensive linemen in the league, um, but in his absence, we had a lot of rookies and young guys step up in his spot, so that takes away why uh, he should be on the team, and I would like for us to trade him to Buffalo, because I think that we could get Emmanuel Sanders out of that, which I think is a very fair trade. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is kind of, I don't say fading in Buffalo right now, but he's definitely not the same dominant player he used to be. Um, the other thing I'd like to do is trade Devin Bush to just any team for a third and a fourth round draft pick. Uh, Devin Bush has gone from probably one of our best linebackers to we don't really need him anymore. We've had a lot of guys step up, especially adding Joe Schobert to our lineup. Um, I don't really have a destination for him. Just get some draft picks out of him. Uh, another one is trade Dwayne Haskins. We don't need Dwayne Haskins. I don't want Dwayne Haskins. What could you trade Dwayne Haskins for, though? Literally like a seventh-round pick, and I'll take it. You give me a bag of chips for Dwayne Haskins, and I'll take it. A player to be dropped later. Yeah. Well, I mean, because Dwayne Haskins isn't doing too much. I mean, I don't like to say it, but he's worse than Mason Rudolph, and I don't like Mason Rudolph. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Continue. Um, The last one, because I actually have to talk about this one so it makes sense. Uh, The last big trade I have is trading Juju Smith-Schuster, the Las Vegas Raiders... For their first-round draft pick this year, the 22nd overall draft pick, and Marcus Mariota. The answer. Marcus Mariota is the answer for our—well, not the answer, but he'll sustain us for two or three years, which I 
would like. And also, just with Juju this year, his absence has just proven how expendable he really is for a franchise. I didn't want to say it. I used to hate thinking about, like, oh, yeah, Juju could be expendable. But then this year, we've had a lot of people step up, like Ray Ray McLeod. Deontay Johnson had probably his best season yet. And I just don't see a need to have Juju. And that's why I have also, you know, us trading stuff onto it for Emmanuel Sanders to fill in that slot. Uh, and then I have us trading some of our picks, including our first-round pick, to move up in the draft and drafting Sauce Gardner because we need to work on our defensive uh, core a lot, especially cornerbacks. We basically already said we're not going to re-sign Joe Hayden, um, which leaves us with probably the worst corner core in the entire NFL because Cameron Sutton will be number one, followed by... I think it's Jason Pierre at two, and then I couldn't even tell you who the third one is. I know that I saw his number a lot, and it was always him getting mossed or him getting absolutely torched by any player in the league. And then going into free agency and the offseason, we have uh, one of the best salary caps in the league, and we can just focus on rebuilding an offensive line and signing some defensive pieces during the offseason. Okay, so first off, quick side note. Um, Joe Hayden should sign, should sign with the Cleveland Browns. Um, I'd probably be the happiest man alive. Just get the farewell tour or something. Because he's Joe, getting up there. If Joe Hayden resigns with the Browns, I'd be so happy. I'd be so happy. I love that man. I named my dog after him. <laughs> That's dedication. I, yeah, I did. Um, second off, Marcus Mariota. The answer for the Steelers. I'm I'm not saying that he's going to be the answer, but what I am saying is that. We need this quarterback draft class is not the strongest by any means. I don't want to see us take a quarterback in this draft. I don't think there's I don't think any of the quarterbacks that will be selected this season will leave a lasting impression on the league in any way. Um, Marcus Mariota with that would just be a good he's getting a little bit older. So he has a little bit of he has a little more experience than I think someone say like Mason Rudolph would have. And we only really need Marcus Mariota to sustain us for two to three seasons until the quarterback draft classes start picking up again. And then hopefully we can make a selection and get a quarterback that will dominate in the way that Big Ben dominated for his career. And then one more thing. So Juju, is he? he's a free agent. So are you saying... Sign him to a one-year deal and then trade him. That makes no that, sense. Yeah. That, that does make sense. No. It, it, it does make sense. Why sign him if you're just going to get rid of him? When a different team, if he tests free agency, could probably sign him at a higher. Well, because I'm just trying to get Marcus Mariota right now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, I don't really see Juju being worth a first-round pick along with one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I think with Juju, he's not worth a mid-to-high first-round pick. He's still a very dominant receiver especially for a team like Vegas who doesn't really have a lot of uh, receivers, like a lot of good targets. I mean, their main target is Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Aside from that, I know they have uh, Sean Jackson. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot there, and I think that uh, Juju would be a good fit there regardless. And we definitely get Marcus Mariota. Or, right, what if you just tried Haskins out a little bit? Because personally, no. <laughs> I think that Mike Tomlin can make Dwayne Haskins a better player. I don't think he can make him more mature, but I think he can make him a better football player. I agree. And the only thing is, Dwayne Haskins was supposed to start during our preseason until he made Mike Tomlin so disappointed and mad that he wasn't trying at all and was just goofing off 
that Mike Tomlin benched Dwayne Haskins in the preseason for Mason Rudolph and Joshua Dobbs. So, at a boy, Dwayne. That's tough. If you can, if you can make probably one of the most composed coaches in the league, probably one of the guys that, honestly, I just want to point that out there that still to this day, uh, Coach Tomlin's the only one who's been able to hold Antonio Brown in check. Just saying, but I don't. What do you have to do to make him mad? Because Coach Tomlin doesn't really get mad that often. I I love the the passion and dedication here from you, Pat. Um, I certainly never did this with the Browns when we were at an all time low, and you guys are like trending downwards. It's not even like you guys are downwards. You guys made the playoffs this year. I, um, I would have honestly after that playoff game, I would have I would have rather seen Ben just go out with a win. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't blame you. I was sitting on my couch as a Browns fan, which I'm totally fine with, but enjoying that very much. So hey, um They only ran out of fireworks is how many times they scored on us. It's, yeah. My biggest that was embarrassing. Thing, my biggest thing is like I don't know if giving up Marcus Mariota for the Raiders is a move they want to make. Just because Derek Carr's future with the Raiders is still in question. Um, and, you know, Marcus Mariota, there's a reason he's not a starter right now. And could he be a, a successful starter? Maybe. Maybe under the right system, at least. But if the Raiders lose Derek Carr in free agency, I see them wanting to hold on to Marcus Mariota just for some stability like you want Mar- Marcus Mariota for in, in Pittsburgh. So... I worry about that in your plan. I worry about Juju the most in your plan because I don't know why he would sign a deal just to get traded. Um, but, yeah, good job. Um, and we'll see you in the front <laughs> office. for effort. We'll see you in the front office soon, I guess. I'm hoping because we need it. I mean, we're, I we're in that, full, like... I think that the rest of your trades aren't all that bad. I actually kind of like most of them. But the, the Juju one to me is just a yeah. big disagree. And according to to Madden, what happened? Yeah, so I, I decided to do the trades on Madden, too, just to see what would happen. And the Pittsburgh Steelers somehow in some way won the Super Bowl with Marcus Mariota winning Super Bowl MVP after he passed for 432 oh yards yeah. against the Dallas Cowboys. See, okay, there's two reasons why yeah. it wouldn't work. Dallas isn't going to go to the Super Bowl. And there's no way Marcus Mariota would yeah. ever pass for over 400 yards. You heard it here first. Marcus Mariota, MVP of the Super Bowl with the Steelers next season. If Marcus Mariota won Super Bowl MVP at any point, that would just be insane. Probably stop watching football. Yeah, me too. It just wouldn't make sense to me anymore. Yeah, nothing would. Nothing would. Um, With the NFL, though, we'll move on from your GM resume, how great it was. Um, The divisional round playoffs happened last week, and what a week for playoff games it was. I know it was a little sad for you, Jeff. Yeah. It was an amazing week overall. Um, we talked about the Bengals beating the Titans with the game-winning field goal last week, so we won't get into that very much. Um, also talked about the 49ers beating the Packers last week with a game-winning field goal. And then Sunday's game, a little bit of the same. The Rams beat the Buccaneers 30-27 to with a game-winning field goal. And then the last game of divisional weekend was the Chiefs versus the Bills, where the Chiefs beat the Bills 42 to 36. I'll start this conversation this way. Was this the best week in playoff history for yes. the NFL? Yes, by far. That that Chiefs Bills game, honestly, 
They should just they, whoever would win that game, just give them the Super Bowl trophy now because that was the best game I've ever watched in my life. Oh man, it was, so, it was so good. That necessarily, but if you look at all the games impartially, I I would say yes. But if you're someone like me that has investments and whatever the opposite of investments is in other teams, uh, no, <laughs> I had a very bad weekend. It was great football though. Yeah, very good. And football. I was very like critical of the wild card round because only one game I think was actually competitive of the six games and I was 6-0 and in my wild card predictions and then I was 0-4 in my divisional predictions so it was night and day for me so I really want to get into this Chiefs and Bills game I don't think it was the best game in like NFL history though like I think this was the best week in NFL playoff history because of all three game winning field goals a game of the year candidate with the Chiefs and Bills. It was incredible. Um, but that 2018, I believe, week 11, that was the Chiefs and Rams game. That, that game, was game. That game, to me, was probably the best game in NFL history. I See, the thing is, though, is that game was a regular season game. This was a playoff game, so this game meant more. There's more at hand, but in terms of just pure excitement and game action... I think that game, Rams and uh, Chiefs, was my favorite. Okay, I can see that. Yep. How about you, Pat? If I'm going with it, if I'm going with like just an overall feel as a sports fan, I think that game was still better. If I'm going for personal opinion, uh, I think the 2009, 2008, 2009 Super Bowl game was the best game in NFL history. Here we go. All right. Just saying. But I'm not, not going to get into it, but you know, Santa Rob Holmes. Larry Fitzgerald of his only chance to win a ring. That sounds like a him problem. Oh, man. <laughs> Big Ben out here throwing dots. Now he can't yeah. throw a ball more than two yards before he breaks his arm or something. It's true. But it's true. I, I think that this game was probably one of the best games. I I was on my feet for that game the yeah, entire time. I couldn't sit. It was great. I couldn't even stand still. I had to, like, pace in my living that, That's what I was doing. I'm not even a fan of these teams, but that game was phenomenal. I mean, that last two minutes insane. was absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, quick shout-out to Gabriel Davis, though. Wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Game of his life. Eight catches, 201 yards, four touchdowns. A playoff record. He's out here. And it's Gabriel Davis. I've never heard of Gabriel (laughs) Davis before this game. Man, what a game from him. Um, Just really the route running. I saw one of those routes where he was wide open in the end zone. I mean, my goodness, Mm -hmm. completely broke the Chiefs' defensive uh, backs' ankles. Um, So, obviously, the big storyline of this game was the overtime rules. Um, I didn't know. The Chiefs won the coin toss in overtime, got the ball first, and went right down the field, scored a touchdown, game over, Chiefs win, and move on to the AFC Championship game. So that brings us to around the Rue, where we debate around the table and then bring the question to all of you. So last week's result was uh, 59% voted for the Summer Olympics and decided that that was better than the Winter Olympics. So a bit surprised there, but is what it is. I'm still a Winter Olympics fan at heart. So, But for this week, we ask, what do you like more college overtime rules or NFL overtime rules. Again, this will be posted on our Twitter page right after the show at WZIP Sports. We ask, what do you like more? College overtime rules or NFL overtime rules? 
I'll ask you guys, which one do you like more? If anybody actually votes for NFL, they just want attention. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. There's no way. At college, easily, because it gives it gives both teams a chance, yep. at least instead of just immediately icing the game. Because, honestly, when that game went into overtime, I think every NFL fan knew whoever won the coin toss was going to win that game because neither defense was stopping the offense that was going on. There was almost no defense heading into the final minutes of that game. Um, they need to just change that. Like, at least give both teams a chance to mm-hmm. score and not just you score a touchdown and that's a game. At least follow through with it. And then if both teams score, then follow in with something different, kind of like what they do in college is what should happen. I think would give the NFL, honestly, more attention and it would be more entertaining to watch instead of Patrick Mahomes just doing what Patrick Mahomes does. But Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, Jeff, I'll go to you real quick, though. Yeah, um, I just, I don't think it's fair that the outcome of the game is decided based on a 50-50 chance with the coin toss. Because like Pat said, whoever was going to get the ball first was going to win the game. And that to me, just after putting in all the hard work for 60 minutes for it to be decided, and you can't even control the outcome, it's just not fair. Yeah. And honestly, it was an impressive drive by the Chiefs, that 13-second drive. I mean, nobody really saw that coming. It was insane to get it to overtime. But like you guys said, a coin toss should not decide the winner. And for people saying that it doesn't, you know, defense has a chance, defense wins championships. I know Keenan Allen was a proponent of that. Under the current rules, teams that won the overtime coin toss in the playoffs have a 10-1 and record. That's a 90.9 win percentage. They're 10-1 and in the over- in NFL overtime when winning the coin toss in the playoffs. So that tells you everything you need to know. More than likely, if you're winning the coin toss, you're winning the game. And that doesn't really sit well with me. And you see Josh Allen, who worked so hard in that game. Like you said, all those minutes. And he's sitting on the bench, not only for the 13 seconds, but also however long that drive took in overtime while he watches his defense get crumbled, walking down the field, and then finishing the game in heartbreak. So if I was asked that question, definitely... Uh, college football overtime rules are much better. At least it's more exciting. I don't think the college overtime rules would fit very well in the NFL just because college is more like, exciting and high-paced at times and like that one loss can ruin that team's entire season. So I think it fits college overtime well. For the NFL, I think some different rules could be applied. And I asked both of you guys to construct your like ideal NFL overtime um, scenario and rules. So I'll go to Pat first. What would your ideal NFL overtime be? My ideal would just be just keep going until somebody gets a stop. Honestly, that's I think what it should be, or at least a more realistic version of it is give both teams a chance to score. If both teams do, then cut it down to like you get from the 50 on to get a field goal or score a touchdown. But the other team still gets a chance to do that as well. Yeah, That's what I think it should be. I think it would be more entertaining that way because a lot of times, as soon as you get up to within around the 40, like 35 to 40, that's field goal range for a vast majority of kickers in the league. And I think that would just make the tempo a lot a lot more, uh, like a lot faster pace. And I just think it would be the best fit for the NFL, personally. Um, yeah, that's why I like it, too, because it's actually realistic, what you're saying. I've seen a lot of, like, unrealistic overtime rules um, from some people. And while exciting and while awesome, however awesome they might be, like, 
this is the NFL. You need to realize that they're still not changing this rule. And even if they do implement something crazy like that, it's just not going to get anywhere. Um, we need something slow and subtle to change this rule and give the other team a chance, in my opinion. Um, but I'll go to Jeff before I give my ideal rules. Um, what do you got for us, Jeff? So I don't have, like, a real, like, defined answer for this question because I'm trying to think of an even way in which both teams get the ball uh, and have a chance to win the game, but I also don't want to, like, fatigue the older NFL players like you can in college. Like, yeah. The best thing that I'm really able to come up with right now is just alternating two-point conversions. But as we saw this year with Penn State and Illinois, that went into nine overtimes. And, I mean, it's a total of 18 plays. But, like, still, when you have, like, the age and combine that with how much more physical the NFL game is, that could really wear down a lot of players. So I don't know if that's, like, the most ideal scenario. But I I want it to be something where both teams get a chance to score and also, just can we get rid of tying? Because tying is stupid. Like I don't want to tie yeah. anymore. So yeah, tying is very my stupid. ideal OT yeah. um, answer would be both teams get a chance to win the game and no tying. Yeah. So I mentioned this to you, Jeff, before the show, but I'll say it on the air. Um, I saw this really wild overtime rules. Um, I believe it was from Chris Long. He mentioned how, like, all four units would be on the field at the same time. On one half of the field, it would be, like, in this example, the Chiefs' offense and the Bills' defense on one half of the field. On the other half, it would be the Bills' offense and the Chiefs' defense on that side. And then they would alternate plays back and forth from, like, the 30-yard line or whatever. They would alternate plays back and forth, and whoever scores a touchdown first would win the game. So no field goals or anything. If they don't convert on fourth down... I believe they'd be, like, reset to the 50 or something. So, like, play calling, do you go for that shot to the end zone right away to end the game right there? Or do you, like, just try and slowly grind down the field and hope the other team makes a mistake? I think that's really exciting and really cool. But at the same time, like I said, this is the NFL. I don't feel like that's very realistic. What I came up with, though, was just simply a 10-minute quarter. You know, if you think about other sports... The MLB, when they have extra innings, it's just an extra inning. It's the same game. It's just an extra inning, an extra frame of baseball. If you think about the NBA, they have a shortened quarter as their overtime. They just play, I think it's five minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah, they play five minutes, and that's their overtime. For the NFL, I think it should be the same way. There shouldn't be these special rules to where if a team scores a touchdown on the first possession, boom, game over, they win. I think they should just simply play a 10-minute quarter And while it still might come down to has the ball last, at least the teams have some control in that. And I think that's really fun because the coaches can adjust with clock management and play calling in order to make sure that they have the ball last and can decide um, what happens in the game. And that 10-minute period gives both teams the chance to score, go down the field, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, even if, like, the Chiefs were to score a touchdown and then the Bills were to score a field goal, I still don't want the game to end right there. I want the Bills to have to rely on a stop and get the ball back and then a touchdown to win the game by three. Um, Now, if there is uh, a tie after that 10-minute quarter, I'm right there with you, Jeff. I don't like ties at all. I would say maybe do that, like, two-point conversion, um, like, fire show, whatever whatever the college football does. Um, Just do the two-point conversions. Just do that alternating 
and uh, decide the winner that way. But I just think a 10-minute quarter would make a lot of sense. Um, I th- see how a lot of ties could happen with that 10-minute quarter, but at the same time, I really like the um, reliability of the coaches and what they do with the time and play calling in that 10-minute quarter period. That's my two cents on the idea. How do you guys feel about that 10-minute quarter? I like it. I like it. It makes a lot of sense. Is in bed. Ugh. Oh, my goodness. I just got a little tongue-tied there. Um, I like that whole 10-minute quarter, and then I also agree that no tying, so then implement something so that way there is no tie. Because tying in the NFL is stupid. Mm. I hate it. As long as both teams get a chance to score and there's no tying, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And that's honestly all we want. Mm. I don't want, under the current rules, that overtime win stat just by the coin toss. It isn't fair. And honestly, like, the whole idea of the defense, like, defense winning championships, I understand. But at the same time, it doesn't apply because the other defense on that other team didn't get a chance to defend in that scenario. Like... Sure, the Bills' defense could have won the game for them. But also, the Chiefs' defense didn't get a chance to win the game for the Chiefs. So it doesn't really apply because we can talk about how Josh Allen and the Bills' offense didn't get their chance, but the Chiefs' defense also didn't get their chance to stop the Bills to win the game their own way. So, I mean, it goes both ways. Um, Just I want a second chance for whoever uh, doesn't get the ball first. I think that's what most uh, NFL fans want. Again, you can participate in Around the Rue on our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Um, and all we're asking is, what do you like more, college overtime or NFL overtime? If you want to um, give us your takes on what you want the NFL overtime rules to be changed to, you can always comment that in the poll as well. And now we go to the conference championship games today, AFC and NFC going down. First, it is the NFC one between the 49ers and the Rams, who do you guys like in this one and why? I think this is going to be a really good game. Both teams are really good on both sides of the ball. Both teams are really good at pressuring quarterback. I think that Stafford will be able to handle the pressure better than Jimmy Garoppolo will. And I know that the 49ers have a six-game win streak against the Rams, but I think that that's going to come to an end today. I have Matthew Stafford making his very first Super Bowl with the Rams. I agree. I have the Rams in this one. I think that um, their offense is going to be a little too high caliber for this uh, 49ers defense, even though they are on that six-game win streak against the Rams. I think the Rams are just going to walk away with this one, and Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham Jr. are going to make their first Super Bowl appearances. Can you just say Cooper Cup? Cooper I'm going to say Odell, too, because yeah. I think... team. I understand that... People feel some way about Odell, but I'm I'm happy to see that he might have found a system that works with him because he's still a phenomenal receiver. He found a system because he saw that the Rams were having success, and rather than putting his foot forward and fighting for success with the organization he was already in, he whined, got out of the system, and joined an already successful system. He did tell Vaughn not to go play for Cleveland. Yeah, he got a like, point, though. I don't really want to... I don't want to get into it too much because I'm honestly <laughs> tired of talking about Odell. But really, I feel like he could have been successful in Cleveland, and it, it was more so his choice of not being successful than anything else, um, rather than the whole Baker drama. But like I said, I don't really want to get much into that. I agree with you guys. I do have the Rams winning in this game. The 49ers and Kyle Shanahan have had the Rams number recently, but I do like the Rams. I just think they're um, 
their firepower on offense especially is going to get the job done. And I think their defense is just better and healthier at the moment. So I do like the Rams beating the 49ers in L.A. today. For the AFC Championship game going on later today, we have the Cincinnati Bengals going to Arrowhead to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you like and why? So I think that the Bengals are going to be able to keep up the scoring with the Chiefs, but I trust the Chiefs' defense to stop the Bengals' defense or the Bengals' offense more than I trust the Bengals' defense to stop the Chiefs' offense. I think that what the Bengals can do to make it more competitive is the Bengals have to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And when I say pressure, I mean they have to sack him, not just pressure because we saw what happened against the Bills where Mahomes extended the plays and rushed for first downs and a touchdown. They have to bring him down. I think they also have to establish Joe Mixon to help with the passing game a little bit. I think if they do that, they have a better chance, but I still got the Chiefs in this one. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go opposite here. I got the Cincinnati Bengals Ooh, okay. taking this AFC North represent. Um, the Bengals have already been in the situation. They've already beat the Chiefs one time this year. Granted, the call at the end of the game that allowed the Bengals to ultimately win was a little iffy with uh, Chardavius Ward. But I think that the Bengals are going to be able to, like you said, keep up and uh, keep up the scoring with the Chiefs. But I think that the Chiefs' defense showed that it can crumble very easily under pressure in that game against the Bills, and I don't really see any of uh, the Chiefs defenders stopping Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Um, And I don't know uh, how Patrick Mahomes is going to handle. He could come into this game overthinking things, thinking that they're going to walk away with this win. Kind of like the attitude that the Chiefs walked into the first game against the Bengals, and the Bengals upset them. Granted, that wasn't Cincinnati. This is a new animal they're dealing with at Arrowhead, but I still think the Bengals can walk away with this one. Yeah, so honestly, this game was a bit of a coin flip for me, but when the coin flips, it ultimately resides with Jeff's opinion. I do think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I just look at the more trusted uh, franchise, the more trusted players, and like Jeff said, I do like the Chiefs' defense ability to stop the Bengals more than the Bengals' defense to stop the Chiefs. I think it's going to be really, really close, come down to the end, but I do like the Chiefs and that home field advantage. Playing at Arrowhead is huge. So my Super Bowl is the Rams and Chiefs. Same for you, Jeff. And then for Pat, you have the Rams and Bengals in the Super Bowl. Now, this is the first time in 12 years that a conference title game will not feature Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but we have also predicted Super Bowl history today because the last 18 Super Bowls have contained either Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Big Ben, or the 49ers. So it could be a unique matchup for the Super Bowl in the last 18 years. So we will see what happens today in the divisional round, or not the divisional round, the uh, conference championship round of the NFL playoffs. Any last show, or any last uh, takes on today's show, guys? I love Tom Brady. I hope he goes at least one more year. And let's go Joe Shiesty. I agree with that. Let's go Joe Shiesty. Thank you, Ben, for 18 amazing years, for everything you did for my franchise and for being my quarterback. And zips to the natty. Yes, go zips. Zips to the natty, even though I think they're going to go 5-7. and seven. Um, Basketball team still going strong. Hopefully they can pick it up in the MAC. Uh, go Cavs. Darius Garland. Hopefully he'll be an all-star and we'll see him in Cleveland. I do like the changes. 
to the Rising Stars game. I think that's very exciting this year. Um, we'll keep you up to date it, up to date on the NFL news, especially around Tom Brady and his potential retirement or potential return to the Buccaneers. We have to wait and see on that one. Um, feel bad for the Bills Mafia for last week. Um, but for this week, we get some exciting division, or conference championship round matchups this week. Can't wait for some action today. Um, go Bengals. I'm hoping they're going to win. Um, and participate in Around the Roo on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. That will do it for today's show. Joining me was Jeff Longville, Patrick Weber, and I'm Jake Murren. We'll see you same time, same place right here next week on Sports Power Talk on 881 WZIP.